Good evening, friend, and welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How's your week? It's, it's been good. It's been it's been a exhausting week. I think I've pushed myself to the hilt on all the stuff as summertime does to me. So yeah. it's been a yeah. Ended up partying all night, sleeping all day. Right on, right on. The, well, it is summer, so you'll have that. Right. We went uh, semi camping. I'm using air quotes with the guys this last week. Uh, went to Chris's house and played games and camped in his in his house in his basement, which is pretty big. <laughs> you you camped in his in his house. Well, we were going to pitch tents. That's like uh, we, that's like middle school uh, slumber party where you get rained out. Yep, and you all exactly. just you all just sleep inside. Well, that's that's what that was the plan. Because we did have a fire and everything. I went outside. We cooked out hot dogs and things. Uh, the plan was to pitch some small tents in the downstairs. And then we all got a little too inebriated. And then we just decided the floor was just as serviceable mm. instead of tents. And I think I think I made it to a couch. I can't remember. But <laughs> it was good times. It was good times. I played uh, uh, some games I haven't... Uh, um, I haven't been able to play before i got to play ticket to ride and um you've baldur's never, gate you've never played or ticket water to ride before. ticket to ride or, or you mean Lords you haven't played in a while <laughs> right it's not been a long while you said never played before and i'm like i know you've I played know. ticket to ride <laughs> yeah it, we, i did i it sucks that yeah you know, i saw the picture i almost commented on it because i'm like man we haven't played ticket to ride in years i know we we uh this i was excited because when we had occasionally have these like hang out on a Saturday thing is when we'll play long games. And mm-hmm. if there's multiples, we'll have two tables going of big games. And I know that's what we'd planned. And then like I said, it just kind of all fell apart. We did have some people get together and play the Batman game, which there's a new Batman like campaign style game. And I guess reviews from our fellows is that it's like um, Imperial Assault, but with Batman. Okay. Where the, where the, the Imperials are the villain of the week. The villains. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and then the players are the Batman characters. I've still never played Imperial Assault. You guys played that after I oh. left. Good, after good, I definitely a good game. Definitely a good solid game. Uh, Justin, this is Justin's game, uh, the Batman race. And I've been mm-hmm. kind of wanting to play it, and he's been wanting to play it for a while. Uh, unfortunately for Justin, he really doesn't is the only one that doesn't like Imperial Assault. <laughs> oh, man. And then so when he played it, he was like, oh, yeah, it's a good game, but it's Imperial Assault, so I don't like it. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I feel unfortunate for him. But anyway, I, uh, they did play that. There was four of them that played that. And then we started off the night by playing uh, Lords of Waterdeep because Vicky, one of our friends, Zahn's wife, was there. And she wanted to play a game. And that's a great game. Yeah. Uh, so so we, you know, it's kind of got, it's bite-sized, but medium-length-ish and stuff. So. You played that yeah. one of the times I was in town. And I had forgotten how good that game is. Probably you know, influenced a little bit by, by nostalgia there because that was probably the peak time of that game was the last the last year that I was in town. We met Fox. I think it holds up. I think it holds up really around. good. I mean, it's the quintessential worker placement worker game, placement. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we played with the six-player expansion, which is at, just adds three more spots to the board um, so mm-hmm. that you can play mm-hmm. six and then add some different cards and stuff. But it's... Uh, yeah, no, I think I think it holds up just fine. It's it's you know the best part about that game is that 
you have limit. It's your turn, and you have only the choices are out there. Like, I mean, yeah. that's it. That's it. There's like, and they're very simple. Get a cube. Get a different color cube. Get two different color cubes. Get a quest. You know, it's pretty straightforward on every turn that you take. Yeah, yeah. And for the most part, people don't mess mess with you too much. And then when they do mess with you, you at least get some kind of thing out of it. Usually. Yeah, it's not as right. And it's sort of, it's one of those things where this is true in most games, but like if people go out of their way to hurt you, they're usually also hurting themselves. Yeah, right. Um, And it's not, those kind of things are not as sort of, let's say elitist as their equivalent in like Ticket to Ride. Because in Ticket to Ride, you can definitely do that kind of uh, hindering, blocking (laughs) kind of stuff right. but you really have to know the game well like you have to be a very experienced player um and it sort of makes the barrier to, to entry for that game high if you're playing with people who are jerks well we when we played ticket to ride it was myself pat jen chris's wife uh mm-hmm. captain chris of Cleons and dragons fame and mike betty trotsky and yeah so everyone, you're all but you're all pretty equally experienced at that game. Yes, but everyone but Pat was really, really gone at that point. Mm. So so Pat was the only one who could even have that chance to like know who was doing what routes and when. We were and, all just and I would say dancing in, to 80s music. And, in that list yeah. of players, Pat is probably the most adept at Ticket to Ride. So yes. even, he, and even he on did an win even, by, even playing field, uh, he would have had the advantage. Yes, I agree. And uh we uh he I think he won by like a hundred million points. It was mm-hmm. it was quite quite a blow away. I am happy to say that I finished all my routes and I did respectable, but just nowhere near to what he had that's, going on there. That's probably and that's like the the mid the mid game learning phase of that game, which is probably where I mostly stayed. Um is that's a game where um you can achieve all of your goals and still lose. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah, true. Yeah, because you just don't get what you need, or right. Yeah, or I you mean, just lose to random. pure points. It's a it's a good game though. Well, it, it's funny when as we were playing both of those games, I had a, a small moment callback to you because I I thought I know that you like both those games, but both of those games have the exact thing that you hate about most Euro games is that it's got point salad. Point salad. I mean, I, every time now you've well, ruined yeah, Water Deep. Every is time the same I play way, a game the, like the, that, you're like. Bruh! The last time we played Water Deep, um, I, I don't know. I wasn't really trying to win, but um, the people who won won with, um, the big forty point quests, which are part of the expansion. So that's one of the things where like they recognized a, a shortcoming with the game and they patched it with an expansion, um, mm-hmm. because Water Deep has those lords, which are your like secret point salad bit but with the addition of 40 point quests like unless everybody gets one of those completed that's more like 40 points is more than anybody is going to get from their lord bonuses like i think i triggered mine five times and it was still only like 25 points or something exactly yeah vicky came in second place by one point because and and she did not and she did not she did not do but maybe one of her lord quests. Right. She did 
the big point things. Yeah. She's just like, well, I can get 25 points for this one and 40 points for this one, you know, and then boom, boom, boom. And there it was. And then also she got a broken Lord. Some of the Lords in these new ones are broken. The, uh, the Lord she got was score four points for any non mandatory quest and every building, which is everything in the game. Yeah. Except mandatory (laughs) quests. Like, okay, that, that guy's really broken. That means basically just do get points for completing any quests and buildings. Yeah, it was really weird. I thought I showed Trotsky afterwards, like, hey, isn't this off? He's like, yeah, that seems not like a, you know, right. Hmm. But, but anyway, she, she, uh, so she, that's, I'd said that's actually a really good card to give to a brand new first time player. Sure. So, so they can just focus on playing. It's like a built in handicap. Yeah. And and they can learn and not have to worry about that too much. Um, But anyway, yeah, it was, it's good. Those games have the point salad stuff. And I was thinking like, you ruined those games for me now. I, I enjoy them. <laughs> but every time I, every time we have one, I'm both, like, Dennis would hate those, this. Cause that, both of those games have an interesting way that they implement it though, because in, in both cases, although maybe less so with Ticket to Ride, you're almost better off to go for the very obvious strategy numbers wise than the secret point salad strategy. Um, because the numbers are bigger. Like, you can win Ticket to Ride just by going for the long five and six train routes and not not focusing on the on the, on the the connection routes. Well, the thing about point salad, by the way, when we're saying point salad, if, if people aren't are listening and not sure, sure it's at the, at the end of the game, you may have a running total of who has many points and where we're at on the board within the lead. But then games will have mechanics that once the game's over, now we add up secret points that you've gathered along the way by completing quests or doing certain things. That's usually called point salad. Um, this, uh, I, I don't know, though. I think that... Um, Point salad has to include everything that gives you points that other players don't know you have. Right. And tickets, ticket to rides, big things are those. Like yeah. you don't know that person has the big New York to LA routes. I mean, you can figure it out later. Right. But you can figure that out of pretty much everything if you know enough ticket to ride. Yeah. And I think because the game itself is simpler than a game like Waterdeep, um, once you've played enough, you can get a sense for what routes. You know, if people are doing big transcontinental routes, you're like, okay, well, they're they're if they can get what they get, which I can't tell whether they're trying to get to Boston or uh, New York, um, you know, that's going to be 10, 20 points. Um, you can sort of sort of game some of that. But, well, yeah, you know, for it's, the- it's OK. It's just um, Lords of Waterdeep is the same way. I mean, you see the guys always pull in commerce every time. Right. You, you you know you could like to get to ride block that route on t- on this one you could pull the commerce quest you out of the pool. You could pull those quests, yeah. Right. At your detriment, of course. <laughs> right. Right. Well, there's no there's no penalty to having extra quests. They're just you're wasting your one act one of your two actions. One of your two actions, right, which um, is the game is bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, don't, yeah, I don't know that, the, that was I one. I always whatever, opinions are subjective. Some, sometimes I don't mind the points out thing. I just very often find it feels bad when you're new to a game or oh, I, like I believe that brand new believe that. or in the first couple. That's why um, I discovered years after it was uh, shown to me that in the game Carcassonne, which is another sort of classic era Euro game, 
um, you're supposed to play easy rules the first time, which are no farmers. Okay. Uh, because the farmers are the most like spatial connection sort of area control kind of mechanic that is not scored until the end. Right. So you can't always And so if see you're if you're new trying to figure it out, especially if you're playing with people who already know how to play, um you come to the end of the game and they're like, "Okay, well I got 6 points for these cities and 8 points for these and f- six more for these over here." And you're like, "What what just happened?" I you know, I think when when I played it, I was like skeptical. I'm like, "This is you, you're making this up, right?" Okay. Yeah, the, the that's I I maybe I enjoy those things in games because of the people I play with. The people I play with, well, yeah, like to they like to know information is power to them, and they are very much like if I know what they're doing, I know how to circumvent them and to to figure the strategy that they're going. And it's important part of information to them. And hidden things for me are good. Because then they don't know what I'm really going for. Sure. Right. Unless they've played it a billion times and they know it. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, you know, you can do on one game we played or I played what's called a Loki strategy, Blood Rage, and it's dying. So you get points for dying hmm. and however many guys you go in there. And but that's, again, kind of a hidden thing. Um, and if you've collected the things that give you even more points for dying. So I would go up and not be overt about like, oh, I'm sending all my guys into this one thing that's going to get murdered. But I would attack things in kind of strategic ways. Mm-hmm. and But always a little under underpowered. And the guys were like always thinking that I'm just making a mistake or not doing anything. And they were happy to, to, <laughs> to kill. And then I would win. I've done that twice with that game. Hmm. And it's one of those secret strategies that you're like, oh, yeah, there's a there's a thing that quest it has this and um and i like that i see i, I like that's why i said yeah. something i like yeah. about those hidden quest games that people don't know what you're doing but i get you how it can be frustrating it's to do uh players, you sure. know the more for we're sure. talking about it the more i think about it it's one of those things that is um it's not really a uh what's the word i'm looking for it's not the point salad that makes a game fun or not fun it's just a um it's an accelerant it's like um we talked about laugh tracks on sitcoms right the laugh track doesn't make a sitcom not funny and the lack of laugh track doesn't make a a different comedy funny the comedy is funny or it's not and it depends on you and your mood and how well the Mm -hmm. comedy is written for you right. and your mood right and your personality um but if the comedy is funny you don't know, you don't even notice the laugh track because you're laughing at something that's funny right if if the comedy to you is not funny then the laugh track is obnoxious it's just a it's just an accelerant sure um and i, like I th- and i think that's sort of how I am with the points out thing. Like if I'm not really having fun with a game, adding a bunch of points at the end of the game just makes it worse. And sure. if I am, it's like, Oh, how many did you get? How many did you get? Oh, okay. Oh man. Like one point. That's a, you know, and of course, because we play so many games and talk about games on this podcast, um, I'm very often 
just in evaluation mode all the time. I'm like, oh, we had a wow, look the 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 spread between the first place player and the last place player is only ten points. Like that was a good that was a good game. Yeah, it was close. Everybody had a chance. Well, the the something about point salad that's nice too is that for me it gives me hope. I mean, even if I'm like <laughs> twenty points down in the game. I know I've got my secret strategy behind here, and this is where I'm really focusing on. And many times on point cell games, I will win or come very close because of. Yeah, I I think that's part of why it's such an appealing mechanic. Like in a game that's over when it's over, it's over when somebody wins or God forbid, an elimination game. Right. Like Monopoly or poker. Poker, at least, is like it gets intense. And for sure. the people who are out, they're just out. Um, but I'm generally not a fan of elimination mechanics. At least with a with a point salad experience, like you said, you have hope until the end. And you're like, oh, I'm probably not going to win. And then, you know, you add up all the things and you're like, oh, I did win. Or, you know, oh, I got much closer than I expected. Yeah, with games that don't have any of that on it, it makes, for a lot of people, it makes, especially the people that are like in the last half of winning, makes the game, the last half of playing the game, terrible. Like, like I'm never going to catch up. The yeah. guy's so far ahead of me. Yeah. I have no, there's no point salad in this game for me to do quests. Otherwise, I'm just behind. I think uh, look Formula at, D, you look Formula at the D numbers and the math and uh, um, like Twilight Imperium is this way. You're like, if you've lost enough rounds of not completing a quest, like you're limited on how many points you can get per round. So. You right. can definitely hit a point of like, you know, you're too late. There's no catch-up mechanic that's going to overcome the momentum, the, you know, snowball, as we say in video games. Um, right. And, yeah, the the one other thing, while we're talking about point salad for 20 minutes, um, <laughs> is if the point salad in a game is really complicated... um trying to think of a good example of this maybe seven wonders though i don't remember the rules in that as much i think seven um, wonders because i don't know it well and that's why i'm not a fan of playing it because it has so many things at the end yeah, you... there are a ton of things to score sushi go is this way but because it's done in rounds like you have a little more um awareness like it's it's right it's spread out um but it always makes me a little bit nervous to finish the end of one of those games. And it gives me a little bit of um, apathy in terms of the final score and who won. Because there's so much there's so much math. There's so much admin. You're like, okay, I get three points apiece for these and a bonus two for every set of three. You know, all that kind of thing. And everybody's doing that. Everybody's doing math either in their head while talking or on their phone with the calculator and you get to the end and you're like are those are those scores accurate did everybody did nobody make an arithmetic error like ever i usually right. do my stuff twice because i'm like you know i don't trust myself to count in my head or if it's something straightforward like um like legendary or um others of those deck builders i'll stack stuff up in tens oh yeah right just to just to uh you know break it down a popular game that has this out right now that people are playing 
it has a lot of point. A lot of this way late point salad stuff is scythe. People have mm. been playing scythe, and it has it is all about that. I mean, you don't even know what things are until the end. And the, I mean, you're like, oh, and now we have to add up all the armies, add up all the things, all the points. What's all the secret stuff? How many? Where are you at? This thing because the game fluctuates back and forth so much. And then it's like, oh, it's end. Now let's figure up all our points. <laughs> uh, Which I like scythe, but it's just definitely that. In this that's situation. that's not one I've gotten a chance to play yet. Well, we're uh, we're less than a month away from Gen Con, man. Yeah, speaking of board games and stuff, twenty twenty nine days. I have to uh, I have to figure out the hard mode rules for Formula D. Yeah, it's funny the people who are playing that, which is you, Pat, Pete, and somebody else. Is that it? I I know the three of us for sure. Maybe one of the younger guys, Justin or. Uh, Something, somebody, maybe Marcus. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know that. I know that uh, it keeps coming up every once in a while. When we talk about big games to play, and we're like, I, we could play Formula D, and I think everybody else is like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's okay, but then they kind of want to play with the hardcore hardcore mode. You know, I I wavered on that a, a while, and you you talked me into it. So I think it's fun. I think it's a fun game. If you're going to pick a game that's a long game, play play one with friends. Is the way I say right. I mean, sure. That if that if you're, at least you have some kind of camaraderie there, whether somebody's taken off with it or you. Oh can talk yeah, about I, I would not even. And, I would not even consider entering this tournament by myself. Right. You know. That's just I, four I, hours of bad time. Or yeah, and if you're you're all losing, then you can at least get together and bitch about it together about mm-hmm. somebody who's cheating or whatever it might be. You F- know? Find somebody else that we don't really like and and block him off. Right. Yeah, that's that. Formula D is my game of you know if you're behind halfway through the game, I hate playing the rest of the game, and you've got another hour mm-hmm. to go because you're just like there's no way I can make up, you know, he blows an right, engine or right. some stupid stuff. I'm anyway, I'm yeah, slightly I'm, I'm, concerned I'm, I'm this year because um, I in my efforts to not schedule anything in the morning, which last year I scheduled a bunch of stuff at 10 a.m., which seemed reasonable, but then at it the convention I was like I was like I was up until four last night. I don't want to wake up in time to catch a, a Uber a lift down to the convention center at like quarter after nine. You're so funny. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's all relative. I work with, um, you know, one of my, one of my coworkers is in mountain time. And so we do our morning call at nine 30. Mm, right. And that's just, that's just a schedule of my day. And Gen Con is shifted forward because we all stay up even later. Um, yeah. And yeah, anyway, every you have, night you have actually night stuff now, right? Um, like well, don't you d- doesn't your stuff run late? We're doing AEG that runs late, and maybe one other like six o'clock thing. But every day except I think Saturday and maybe Sunday, so Thursday, Friday. Though I think I think Saturday there's a thing at like twelve thirty or one. Um, I have something at noon every day. And I'm like, uh, well, going out to lunch was part of my Gen Con experience in years past, but I'll have to either like do carry out or maybe do brunch and then do dinner early or something. I'll figure it out. Save but. yourself $150 at lunch. Yeah, I mean, there, <laughs> there are where I live, there are no St. Elmo's Steakhouse. So, or... <laughs> well, yeah, no, no $70 steaks this year, but. Uh, right. I mean, it, I know how much you were spending money on the lunches. <laughs> that's that was a that was 
definitely an outlier. It's usually your standard, you know, <laughs> brew pub kind of twenty, twenty, thirty dollar thing if you get a beer or two. But um, right, yeah. I mean, that was part of my thing because I don't, not being in Bloomington, I don't get to do that. You know, here we'll go, we'll go up to Bell's Brewery. You know, every other month or something if there's something going on. Or you could, you know, just go at late lunch with people. Well, and that's also. the thing. Like, the Formula D tournament starts at noon, and it's four hours. Oh, crap. Nobody's you need, you late, need to eat 11 o'clock late lunch. lunch is 4 p.m. And right. we're doing Bridge Simulator right afterwards. So it's, yeah, it's like brunch or, or convention center food. Get a pretzel from <laughs> Cisco. Well, you gotta, you know what you got to do is, what I found is, is, a, is a half a quarter step up from that is go to the food court at the mall. Hmm. Or or there's a subway right at the attached Hyatt, which is yeah. usually pretty quick and good. And you get like a full foot long and last you the rest of the day. I always I always want to do more food truck stuff, but there's always such a line. Oh, such at, a line at every single one. I wonder if some of those will be better if I'm if I'm hitting them up at like eleven or ten forty five. Maybe I I, I have. In in the past, and still do buy bring some snacks. I've done a lot better. I used to bring really badly unhealthy snacks like pretzel sticks and cheese its and Doritos. I know you said stuff. that uh, but, that last year that the food thing is not as much of a as much of a part of the event for you as it is for me. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. I like I like hanging out with the guys too, but I think that's just because you don't see everybody as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I like. I do like like when we have dinners and stuff like that, you know, out somewhere. That's that's always a fun yeah, thing. To me, it's it's just part of the experience. It's probably yeah. less so now that we're all staying in the same place. Um, yeah. But even then, like when we're all together, it's such chaos um, that it just. And I think maybe too because in years past I did more walking the hall. Um, yeah. I just get like. You know, when I lived in Bloomington, I walked a lot, but I don't hardly walk at all here. But, um, you know, I just get fatigued and I'm like, let's sit and have some <laughs> yeah. food and chat, see what people played, what people bought, catch up, you know, and then and then head back out for for round two. Right. I, I haven't um, and I haven't looked at my Gen Con schedule until since we made it way back in. What was that? Yeah. Or yeah. Something? Same. Right. That, so that was my I, I think that's that was the reason for my lunch dilemma. I, yeah, I, have, I was looking at the schedule a couple of days ago. It's an unfortunate that I think I, I have the same situation that except for one day I have some lunch. I think on Thursday I'll be able to get lunch with people, but mine is my evenings are full. Yeah. I, I'm I mean, like the first day the first day there's this game that's sounded really interesting and I got it <laughs> and I was surprised that I got it and I almost didn't get it and it goes until eight o'clock and like that eight o'clock is early to be done, but you know, I miss six o'clock lunch or dinner time. And yeah. then, uh, we have AEG big game night coming up and then another game called star, a uh, star Trek ascendancy game, which is what I want to kind of try to play. So I don't know. It's all good. The thing is that I know it, it's, there's all sorts of fun things to do at Gen Con. The best thing about Gen Con is that you'll never be able to do 20% of all the stuff you want to do. Right. I mean, that's what makes us, eager to go back next year you're like i just have want to do more of something different and pepper in all the stuff and you just can't do it all nope. you know some some year you'll just have take a lot i'll take a lot less events i'll have like an event a day 
and just hang out with friends. There are times I will vent all the time and not see a, people. A couple people in our group talked about coming to Indy and just staying, like not actually going to the convention at all. Well, that's just nonsense. That's yeah, just nonsense. Yeah, I mean, for you and I, I think Aaron <laughs> was one of those who's not a big board gamer, and my brother Andrew talked about it, but he bought a badge, and I got him tickets to most of the stuff I'm doing. So, right, yeah. I guess if you're not not a not a big gamer, I, I can get that. Especially you mentioned Aaron, which is one of our friends like that. He plays with us, but you know he would have much more fun just hanging out as well. So, yeah, um, I get that. Yeah, and and that's cool. It, it is a neat thing that we as our friends groups do have it as a point in the year of getting together with people from all around the country. even so that are coming back down. Uh, so that's, yeah, it's cool. Hey, so let's move. If we can real quick before we eat up our time on random stuff um, and talk about our 2020 challenge. So this week's movie was the 1998 Coen Brothers classic, Big Lebowski. You just flat out called it a classic, did you? I mean, you it is. T- tag on it. There's, it there's so much to it. There's so what you're saying so is many, it's, a, it's, so many it's not a you can pass on what it. What have yous. <laughs> what have yous. Uh, so I think we both like this movie. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I watched it twice last week, by the way. <laughs> I watched it right right after the show last week because it was bedtime, and I was like, I can watch this show. It's mm. just great. And I did. And then I decided to watch it again because I wanted to have it on in the background while I was just doing other stuff. And I see. Which is, this is one of those movies you can do that with. For sure. Right? Especially if, like us, you've seen it a couple times. Um, I had forgotten how many, like, just little uh, throwaway quotes there are from this movie that I use or that I hear used and I don't, I don't always catch. Um, mm-hmm. Like I'll, the ones that I refer to a lot are a little more obvious. Like Jackie Treehorn treats objects like women, man. <laughs> right. Um, or just his general um, uh, delivery of lines. Like way back when I worked for our buddy Trotsky, in like 07, 08, even before I had seen this, this is a classic one of those where enough people quoted or said a line that I would just say it, sometimes not even <laughs> knowing what it was from. Um, right. But we were in a, you know, sort of cubicle area, and the guy, the desk next to mine, every time every time his phone would ring, we'd go, phone's ringing, dude. Go, thanks, thanks, Donnie. <laughs> thanks, Donnie. God, I, I, it was this... Movie's just full of one-liners and cool, chill moments of long exposition between characters that, you know, doesn't make a lot of sense, but has a plot. That, that's why I said it makes so much perfect bite-sized moments so that I can have it on, go into another room, come back, and then I'm in a new scene. That's true. That's that true. The, the story is, I, I wouldn't call it episodic in a way of like, um, like a Christmas story, but it really is segmented up you're like okay he's here and he's doing this and he's he's focused on this rug and (laughs) and then he's you know now he's here and and big lebowski wants his help and he's gonna go and it's really you know there are all of these events going on and this but the story is really about his relationship with walter and how right you know walter has his like 
it's not PTSD, but just sort of obsession with his past in Vietnam <laughs> in a way that makes him like almost incapable of functioning in the civilized world. Right. Uh, if you want to use the word civilized. <laughs> right. Well, I, I liked, I liked yeah, that while that is the, the constant within the whole thing for sure. Mm-hmm. The, uh, you, I like, I liked it, the term episodic. I mean, you can kind of know that there's a plot line about bunny and, and Mr. Lebowski and all of the, that is kind of a slow burnish thing, but then you could also be sitting in, come back in the room and they're sitting bowling and, you know, they're yeah. just going off on they, some random other team on some random thing, which it's just kind of an interlude to the story. And there's so many interludes. Then he meets with, uh, Oh, what's the, the, the lady's name that was Julianne Moore, um, Julianne Moore, right. Maud, Maud. And, and that's a whole thing there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the, the drop off time. Fun. So you, I mean, there, it is, it's just these sets, these set pieces, whatever that they go through that, Oh, I can watch that. And then I can go away into the other room if I'm not interested in the next one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's full of one liners and grace. And I don't know what it is that makes this movie great. I, I I will admit that I thought it was funny and good the first time I watched it. I would not have called it a classic and best show ever type thing, which I'm not saying it's the best show ever, but a really great show that first time I watched it. I think multiple viewings of it makes it better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I laughed out loud at a lot of the stuff in the first act uh, while I was watching it, and that's definitely affected by having seen it multiple times. It's not a movie I watch a lot, but I've seen it at least three or four times now. Um, and, I mean, the first time I watched it, I just loved the first confrontation with him and the other bowler. Jesus. When, Jesus, uh, yeah. It's like, well, I mean, that's just, like, your opinion, man. Man. <laughs> I, was like, right. I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, the... Um, I can't the, the even remember. I, are, are my I had another one of those, like the ins and outs and what have yous. Um, that was a thing I say. Oh, I know what it is. One of the times, one of his confrontations with Walter, when he's like, he's like, am I wrong? Am I wrong, dude? Am I wrong? He's like, no, Walter, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. <laughs> That's right. I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't, I mean... Not all the time, but I often use that line, and I don't—I mean, it's a bit of a stretch to say that it comes from this movie, but I'm sure that's one of the places that I heard it, or when I hear it from other sources, people are, you know, those people picked it up from this movie. Right. Um, and it's that kind of, like, it's it's funny, but it's also a... I guess a like a real truism for interpersonal conflict, right? Like mm-hmm. Walter is this, he's this guy who's broken in this way and he's so frustrated by life that he completely overacts to this, you know, bowling rules technicality. And, <laughs> uh, you know, Jeff Bridges is like, come on, man, you gotta, this, it's bowling. You just, and he can't, like, he's fixated on, he's right. 
And because he's right, he's justified in whatever his actions are, whatever his response is. And it's like, uh, you're, you're not wrong, but you, you, you handled it poorly. Right. At this point, it doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. Um, right. Which is I think the scary. the coolest, the thing that makes the dude, the coolest guy, like the coolest of all of them thing is that the dude is, uh, played by Bo, Bo Bridges, is it, right? Jeff Bridges. Is Jeff Bridges. Sorry, Jeff Bo Bridges. Jeff Bridges is the most normal and stable of all of the people in the show. Mm. I, I think besides maybe Julianne Moore's character, there he is. And, and that's why everybody's like, in the end of the day, the dude abides. The dude knows mm -hmm. the things that are going on. The dude is fine because he's, it's so funny. He is not the most stable or thing, but if, with this cast of characters, he is. Right. Which makes him the coolest, right? He's just normal, nothing special, <laughs> but that makes him the coolest to everybody because everybody is pretty whacked out. All of them are. All of them are. I don't know if you saw, um, this is not relevant to anything, but while I was watching, I did the thing I sometimes do where I saw a prop in the movie and so I looked it up. Uh, in, okay. his, in his apartment, he's got his little bar, his like tiki... Uh, yeah. you know, beverage stand in the corner. And behind it, he has a big poster of Richard Nixon bowling. <laughs> and so okay. I found, I found that they have them on cafe press and Amazon and whatever. It's funny. Uh, you could poster you could buy it. Nixon. There, there's a definitely a, uh, you know, niche. How, how did you, uh, what is that about? Well, if you know, you know, if you don't know. <laughs> right. 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 At Nixon bowling. Well, there's not there's not a whole lot more to say about this show except that it's 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 a comedy that it's so far it I don't know how old it is but it seems to uh, stand the test of time. I don't think there's a lot of things. It's uh, twenty one years ago. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have a lot of references to what's going on. I guess except for maybe they're watching porn on a VCR tape. I think um, there's some. There's some reference to the politics of the time because in his, uh, I don't think it's the big dream sequence, but the first like mini dream sequence, he hallucinates um, uh, Saddam Hussein handing out bowling shoes. <laughs> Was that right? right? Because he's watching the news and uh, George Bush Senior is delivering the uh, right this this aggression in against kuwait will not stand and right um the dude uses that line later he's like hey come on man this this aggression will not stand man not stand <laughs> god uh, yeah so so yeah like i said there's not not much to say about this show except that it's just it's a comedy that is a very unique show mm -hmm. i can't even think of anything that to, you can compare it to i mean it's coen brothers so you know their stuff is is unique almost right. th there are similarities obviously between their different films um but some of them even among the others can't can't really be classified it's like you know you put it up against another outlier um oh brother where art thou which is also right. like it's clearly coen brothers but it's also very different from a lot of their other stuff 
Sure, yeah, uh, it's definitely not like this. It's, it's and this is different. the same way. Like it's it's so much more lighthearted. Well, lighthearted is the wrong word. Like it's funny, but it's it's almost dark comedy. Oh yeah, because I, I had forgot. Spoiler alert for those who hadn't watched it. That Donnie's that Donnie died. Oh I like, yeah, I mean that's I was a like, big. Oh oh yeah, he kills Donnie. <laughs> that's the that's the big, um, you know, sort of confrontation reconciliation between him and walter that you know it's like why is everything such a tragedy with you man what what does anything have to do with vietnam (laughs) and then they 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 put the ashes out and and so yeah that those those specifics like vietnam the uh original not original but the first u.s iraq conflict in the early 90s um or when was that? More like, yeah, early 90s. Um, or the, like, phone, the giant phone. Um, <laughs> some of that sort of dates it in terms of the setting. But sure. the But the human themes are a little more transcendent. Sure. Right? You know, you get these three guys and they're very different personalities. Um, and the one who's just, Walter is just aggressive and hostile all the time especially to donnie who is just you know he's just hanging out he's trying to make conversation he's like johnny in uh on deadwood or <laughs> he's just trying to make his way make everybody proud of him yeah all right and then it gets he gets it in the end you're like oh donnie <laughs> yeah i had forgotten about that so yeah. it sounds it feels like we're skipping over this one but it's really hard again it's hard to talk about things that are that are just solid with it, you know, and if you haven't seen them, you can't really explain this one. You can't explain it. You can't explain the the way the dialogue's delivered, the way the writing no, is. Just I mean, you well have to done. like, like I can, like I've been doing for the last twenty minutes. You know, quote it and imitate it, but you really have to see it. Jeff Bridges and even uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, like yeah. some of his stuff is so funny. Yeah, you like, know he—he's and so, he does not seem like a funny kind of guy. No, anything I've seen him in, right? <laughs> but but he's playing off of Jeff Bridges and the guy who plays Big Lebowski, and uh, it's just so like it works so well, right? Yeah. Right. Anyway, what's uh, your what's your you get before you, as we outroll this one? What's your favorite line? Oh, favorite you get what you get one. I, I know it's a huge thing, but what, if you got one that you really love, it mm. just kind of does it for you. Well, I already swore, so I, I'm veering away from <laughs> from any of those. Um, I mean, the "That's just your opinion, man" is is pretty classic. That's pretty classic. I I think I I think I like the and I'm I can't remember the exact line, but when he he turns around and says, "I'm gonna go find an ATM. I go find a cash machine." <laughs> He's walking away <laughs> for Bunny. <laughs> laughed so hard the first time I heard oh, that. Oh, right, 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 right. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> he's leaving. He's like, I got to go find a cash machine. I'll be right back. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> Just laughed. Oh, or the, uh, the, the, where's, where's your car, dude? Which is like <laughs> one line from that movie that spawned an entire ridiculous movie. Hey, dude, where's my car? The dude, where's my car? Right. Uh, movie God, my my coworkers movie. and I, you, you've seen that movie right yes yeah uh, terrible my coworkers, one of them 
saw it probably maybe for the first time a couple of years ago. And uh, when we're talking in chat or whatever, we'll do the, and then, and then. like the, God. the drive. You, you know, I could have gone the rest of my life and not and remember then. that. Been okay. <laughs> Is that Sean Williams Scott or Sean Austin Scott or something like that? I don't remember. A guy from American Pie and uh, that 70s show. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. It is in in final judgments. I definitely call this a good movie. Um, I think you should watch it at least once. I think if you are only going to watch one Coen Brothers movie, this is probably the one. And if you yeah. like it, then check out Little Brother Where Art Thou and um, a couple of the others. A lot of them are really dark, but uh, this right. one is much less dark. I mean, I, I I have a weird. This is a weird one to kind of give those those stances on. You know, how many times should you watch it or whatever? Is it worth watching X? Because I honestly felt feel pretty strongly that this movie is enhanced by watching it multiple times. Yeah. Um. And I think when I watched it, I thought it was just an okay movie that was you know funny but didn't need to do anything. And then I watched it again and I caught all the little extra stuff. Not all the stuff, but a little bit more and. I got the plot a little bit more and, Oh, that's that character. Oh, I get it. And this is the thing that's said. And, and you can just really enjoy each, or as I mentioned, each little set piece a little bit better. And so the more you watch this movie, the better it gets. So yes, you should watch it once, but you will be better served to watch it multiple times. For sure. It's true. All right. So what do we, what do we have? You should be, what do we, right. What do we have for next week? We are going to do a little difference because there's another Halloween movie logged on. Yeah, I I need to I need to fix this schedule. Um unless Okay, we had something picked and now I'm going to do this on the show which I shouldn't do, but yeah. unless there's anything on the list here that works well for Independence Day, which will be Oh, it'll be over by the time this episode airs, so maybe not worth bothering. Right. Right. But I don't see the movie Independence Day on here. Or Born on the Fourth of July. I don't think that one's in there either. Mm. Which is, yeah. it could happen next year. The um, I don't see anything here that jumps out at me. So we'll stick with our original pick, which was, what? I've already forgotten. Brokeback Mountain? <laughs> <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. We're not ready for that. Um, oh, Life of Brian. Life of Brian, right? Monty Python. We'll we'll keep that one well away from Christmas or Easter, to to lessen right. the the comparisons there. So. Between, that's right. Between that's a good idea. Put it right in the middle of the room here, or middle of the year here, and we can watch it. Uh, okay, I, I I've only seen this like parts of this one. I've not seen it in its entirety, so yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to watch because the last Monty Python one I watched was Holy Grail. Holy Grail, which is what most people think of. If you say Monty Python, people think of that specific movie. It's interesting that the maker of this poster picked this one, um, which is much more uh, commentary allegory than... Uh, yeah, I although, wonder what that's about. It, like, although Holy Grail is not on here. Holy Grail is is that too. You just don't notice it as much with all the all the other ridiculous... Well, yeah, and, and Holy, Holy Grail was... Uh, what was it called? Um What's it when they're they're just doing like little skits? It's very like mm-hmm. skits, especially for the first act. Yeah, and it's there's just you know it just goes from piece to piece, and the knights of knee, and you're 
You're like, none of this, just all that matters is the skit we're doing right now. Um, and, and there's definitely a, a fair bit of that uh, in this movie. I saw this, okay. I don't know, 15 plus years ago. So it'll be an interesting okay. one to revisit. Right. Okay. Monty Python's The Life of Brian mm-hmm. is for next week. That's we'll do that one. Okay. Well, what else we got here today, Mr. Dennis? Okay. You, you've not seen uh, Toy Story 4? Yet. I have I not seen Toy Story 4 yet. I, I I need to get it. My friend's daughter uh, is back in town, and Sydney's not back in town, so I think we're going to see if we can take her to go watch Toy Story this week. Right on. Uh, we I'm we okay. went and saw it last night. It's it's really good. I know that I said last week when we talked about the first one um, that I've, I've not really seen... Well, I've seen the second and third ones, but like once or twice. Uh, yeah. By the time those came out, I was in college... And I know for you, you had kids, and so yeah, you were, were probably just too watching cool it for Toy Story at that repeatedly point. with them. I mean, I just didn't didn't have mm-hmm. the opportunity, and no, uh, sure. you know, I'm sure you did not sit down, you know, a couple nights a week and go, "Man, I really want to watch Toy Story 2. I want to watch Toy Story too right now. Um, you know, with your, with your daughters and right, no, and all uh, that. But uh, it it was I especially appreciated having seen the first one again to see this one, to see some parallels, to see the difference in the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just the, the visual, the art style, the technology, oh, right. like how, how much better everything looks. And I, I said this last week, I think it was last week. We talked about the first one. Um, the, I think the animation in the original toy story has aged very well compared to other um cg work right um like the unremastered uh star trek voyager ship <laughs> ship uh exteriors right but when you compare it to today's toy story it looks old it does it does and i i think it's i think it holds up but the the new one is just so you know there's like reflections and water and all this stuff but We'll talk crazy, about that more when uh, when we talk about it. When you've seen it. Well, the crazy thing about that, not on a specific Toy Story though, but is that to to make Toy Story, I remember in college them talking about the amount of computing power that they had to pay multiple servers from different oh, places yeah. to to crunch this this you know video code. It was such a massive undertaking just of computing power, and now you can make Toy Story four on a nice, really high end personal pc <laughs> i mean right because yeah. there it's the things we have and capabilities and technology we have today is so powerful just on our home machines you can make entire movie cg movies just with it's, your home thing it's funny are um do you know much about se- like music sound recording uh technology i mean I besides know. the show i mean <laughs> stuff we no, do like, here with like band like music recording a little bit. Yeah, yes. I mean, I, t- I took an audio engineering course in college. Okay. Um, I listened to a podcast last week about um, the the commercial success and history of Genesis and Phil Collins. Okay. Um, they're, my, they're my dad's favorite band, and so mm-hmm. it's sort of been in my blood, as they say. But because um, they're unique in history for having, like, in 1986... Um, Peter Gabriel solo um, 
Phil Collins solo, Genesis with Phil Collins, and uh, one of the other, Steve Hackett, had a super group that had spun off like in the early 70s. They all four were in the Billboard Top 100 at the same time, which has not happened with any other band. Where wow. the, solo, the solo artists succeeded, but the band kept succeeding. Um, right. But the thing you're saying about technology made me think of that because Phil Collins... And his uh, music producer, when he was playing drums on Peter Gabriel's third solo album, accidentally discovered um, this technique they call gated reverb. Okay. Um, which is a way of recording drums with really high compression. So the, the lows are brought up and the highs are brought down. So everything's really tight. And okay. it and it drop, the sound drops off really fast. Um, okay. And it's this... It's this artificial drum sound that when you hear it, you think, oh, that's 80s drums. 80s drums. Yeah, it's the sound that made um, Phil Collins' uh, In the Air Tonight, right? His yeah. big um, drum hit, right? In the Everyone knows. Yeah. And when um, I saw this YouTube video sort of explaining it, and in the early days... They had to create that sound acoustically, and they would do okay. stuff like the the producer had this big house that was basically like a castle, and they would put a a speaker at one end of an empty stone walled room, and then a like a voice mic on the other end to record it, so they would get that echo, that reverb echo kind of sound. And of course, now you know I can do that with a free filter on GarageBand. <laughs> right, the things they had to how, do. How it goes. How time has changed with our technology and capabilities. Yeah, the technology is amazing. I was uh, went to my friend's house last night, and I was thinking, like, she didn't have a a Blu-ray player, mm. and which is rare. Most people have at least this cheap thirty-dollar one, but she didn't. And I I thought, oh well, with today's technology, it was nice. I just grabbed the Chromecast, and I was able to play anything I owned. Like I just. Plugged it into her her TV and voila, any media I want right there. I'm trying to think if this is a true statement. I have never owned a standalone video disc player or VCR for that matter. Or VCR. Um, by the time I moved out and finished college, I was downloading and, and streaming things. The streaming wasn't really a thing yet. And then I had a game console that I could play. Yeah, game consoles. On. I think most people, I would, I would wage that a lot of people have just had game consoles for their video I mean, that's, disc that's how I am. I had an Xbox uh, 360, a PS3, and now I have a PS4. Um, and those are Blu-ray players, but I don't, I don't watch Blu-rays on them. Like I stream everything on Netflix or Amazon or whatever. I de I definitely have had. I mean, I have like, sure, being married and having stuff. We had stuff in the bedroom that was you know I didn't have the PlayStation stuff in the bedroom, mm -hmm. so I had, you know, the the Blu-ray. Like I've got a Blu-ray, small cheap Blu-ray player in my bedroom now, and I just had VCRs. And then, at one point, Hope, my oldest daughter, had had a TV and a VCR and a DVD player standalone thing in, in her room. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yep, Sarah's off. But I I know that. It wasn't ever a priority, and I never bought them. I've never bought a. I can pretty much say I've never bought a one of those things new, or I okay. mean, 
like when it just came out, like the technology yeah, yeah. came oh, out, oh, I had to oh, run I out see, and get a Blu-ray yeah. player, right? Because because of game systems, you know, there's that Sony came out and I did not have a DVD player until PlayStation One. And matter of fact, I think it might have been my first CD player too. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, because um, they didn't have DVD until the PS2. Okay, so maybe it was PS2. It was, it was one of my first CD players, and then it was DVD player for my first one when this PlayStation 2 came out. And I thought that was just perfect timing. And of course, Blu-ray was released with PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so. yeah, and then there was, with, with Blu-ray, there was a format war. People, yeah. you know, it's like HD Betamax DVD. now. People don't remember HD DVD, but yeah, our buddy Trotsky has a whole bunch of HD DVD movies and it was and a games. it was an add on for the for the 360, which is crazy that they made it an add. That's did not help. Actually, I find it well, funny they that did that. They did that with success with the original Xbox. The vanilla first draft first edition first. Yeah, I guess first mm-hmm. edition Xbox did not have DVD support. And then they added a little dingus that you plug into the controller slot and it has a remote, right? It's like an IR receiver and a remote. And then you could play DVDs on it. Um, Where the PS2 first edition shipped with DVD support, but it didn't, it had issues, right? It was buggy. Um, Right. That was a, I remember hearing about that more back in those early days of like, the game consoles becoming basically computers. Yeah. They were always computers, but like they became more similar to a, to a desktop PC in their architecture and their hardware to, to a multi multi entertainment unit. I, I remember reading a lot of like PlayStation magazines and stuff and talking, listening to the, the CEOs and the, and the directors and stuff saying, yeah, we want these, our vision is for these consoles to be a multimedia platform that you have one thing that does all the stuff. I mean, probably from, the first PlayStation on, they realized that, and the first Xbox to an extent, like, I'm sure there were some people using them to play CDs. Um, I just one said of I, our, did. I did. One of our first games when we got a, a PlayStation 1 was a was uh, Ridge Racer, which is a car racing game. But yeah. you could load up the game and take the disc out, right? Once the game right. started, you could open it up, take the disc yes. out, and put a music... CD CDN. in there, yep. and then it would play that music. You know, we got to race these cars listening to Weird Al. Right. I mean, our, my buddy uh, Bill used to do that all the time. He would. He loved mm-hmm. Ridge Racer. He loved racing games anyway, but that he loved that one in particular so he could do that. He put in Metallica all the time and was <laughs> you know, switching it out, which is... I mean, that probably would have been a better racing soundtrack than, than Weird Al. Or, Bad I don't know. Day. You're playing Mario Kart, maybe. It's, you know, it's okay. Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> right. Well, the, um, the, even to the right. Xbox One, they were still trying to make things multimedia, like the, your multimedia center. I mean, it's one of the few things that people buy beyond their television that will sit in their main entertainment room right right so they have a lot of reach and a lot of power to do things they want to do and now they're you know they people use it for streaming and yeah i mean that was the that was the main reason that i bought a 360 is they added um a technology called dlna that we don't really use anymore but it was a way to stream media files across a home network Right. Yep. And this is like, I'm talking about 2007, right? 12 years ago ish. And because I had a library of 
TV shows and movies that were in video files. Um, you know, I had ripped some of my uh, my parents' collection and stuff like that, and you know, spent a long time like would watch it at the computer or like run a really long cable. I'm like, oh, this game console does this natively. And I did the same thing with uh, the PS4, no PS4, the PS3, um, up until even after uh, Plex came out. That's the big media management application that um, that people use. Yep. And when it first came out, I was only using it as a server. Like it would manage and label the files, but then it was still doing this DLNA, which is just like a file sharing thing. On the PlayStation, I still had to like browse through folders and try to guess what oh, episode of whatever I was on. And now right. they have apps on everything and it all uh, works really well. But uh, Which yeah. makes, me, makes me wonder about the future of those kind of things. I mean, uh, while they have been, you know, poised to be the best uh, media system or thing in your, in your household... And we are, you and I are both sitting here saying, oh yeah, we've always used game consoles. I, don't, I still don't know if they've sold a system based solely on that. Like most people will buy it for a game system and then it has all these other capabilities. I don't think they're like, I need a new, anyone has ever been like, I need a new Blu-ray player, so I'm going to go buy a PlayStation. Oh you know? yeah, no. I mean, in the world of, in the world of smart TVs and, uh, that's, that's know, where I was getting as the, a, as the, the Chromecast, if, Chromecast and, and Amazon and to a lesser extent, Roku are, they're basically free in the scale of what you pay for things. And the Apple TV, aside from having a really weird, hard to use remote, is a really, really nice little box. Yeah, well, that's what I was getting at, is that they they have been in the home and they've had all these multimedia capabilities, but they still have not sold, the, before, you know, Chromecast and before uh, smart TVs, they were in the home. They had these media capabilities. They had all this stuff, and they still did not become a primary reason to buy them for that. Like Sony never, before um, Chromecast and before smart TVs, was still not the reason to buy it was multimedia reasons. No, really, it, I, I mean, still to me, games. It's, it's, always, uh, it's always a little icing on the cake. For me, it was what pushed me over the edge to buy a 360 back in 07-ish, but that was only because... Um, I wanted I wanted to use that, and I didn't. The game, the gaming stuff was like a bonus. I had an original Xbox, and I had played it for a while. But by that point, I was getting close to my peak uh, time playing World of Warcraft, and I didn't have any time left to play console games. Like I was playing WoW twenty plus hours a week, right? Um, and working right. So I'm like. Oh well, here's a thing I can watch stuff on my TV, and I don't have to run this wire, and uh, it'll be good. it'll be good. Yeah, the the now that we do have like a um, uh, a Chromecast out there that is that is just all all it is is the stuff that doesn't play games. It's just the the multimedia part of the systems. Um, well, until until they get Stadia until launched. Stadia, which is which is another thing, and if you have good enough internet. Right, which is which is my next transitionary kind of statement here is that um, did they miss the boat? Like now, people are not they don't care to that PlayStation has all those extra stuff. They have Chromecast, or even more likely, they have a smart TV. 
So while I used to always play Netflix on my on my uh, PlayStation, I just use Chromecast for it now or for my phone or my smart TV just loads it up with the button that's on my controller. I mean, so, I think I think we answered this question at the beginning of this segment talking about Blu-ray players. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there like me who never bought a standalone Blu-ray player because they had one in their game console. Like you bought the game console for games, but you had it for this. I don't think for too many people it was ever the selling point because if you're at Best Buy looking at stuff on the shelf, are you going to buy a $400 PlayStation or a $150 Toshiba Blu-ray player if you right. don't care about games or right. if you have a middling interest in games but you mostly play on your PC? Like you're just going to get a Blu-ray player. Right, but um, now the future transition. But if you're interested the, in both, you yeah. go, oh, well, if I buy the PlayStation, then I don't have to get a Blu-ray player. Well, that's so what I said. I the think future transition us in, transitions us into something totally different, though, that you buy, you do just buy a, a $40 piece of equipment now that, that's your smart TV and your game stuff. Whether you care about games or not, you still go, if you're going to go buy uh, a Chromecast, you buy a Chromecast, and oh, yeah, by the way, it has Stadia in it, too. Which yeah. is a full game thing. It's it's a little hard to predict where where all of that's going to go because there's games on everything now, right? I I yeah. find that personally, um, sort not frustrating is a strong word, but uh, I always feel like there are games that I have that I'm missing because there are more games than ever, mm-hmm. and there are more. I mean, I have I have a desktop PC, a a um. Windows laptop, an iPad, an iPhone, an Apple TV, a PlayStation 4, and my Mac Mini that I work on, but there are no games on that. All of those devices play games. And there are good games on all of them. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't I can't decide. And then, you know, when I sit down and I'm like, what do I want to do? I always end up going back to the same the same games. Not always, but uh yeah. It's <laughs> you're, an still, you're still playing Hero of the Storm and, as far and wow. as Right. Uh, I got back into WoW last week because they did a new patch, but I'm mostly mostly out of that one. I do I do still keep Heroes of Storm going. They had a big, um, they're doing their big summer event, which yeah. is uh, um, what's the word? Uh, it's the mechs, right? It's like mech but kaiju kind of thing in the okay. in the um store pages or whatever for these new skins. These Normal heroes like Vala is the um, Diablo three, a demon hunter, dual mm-hmm. dual crossbow wielding. Um, her thing is like it's like a big mech version of Vala, but she's holding a tiny little pilot in her hand, right? Like Pacific Rim. Yeah. Not, it. I mean Pacific Rim is the newest version of that. It's right, goes yeah. way back, but right. I was like, ah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's funny. Um, uh, I did download and install. Um, microsoft's uh xbox game pass have you heard about this i have not actually so as i understand it game pass is like it's sort of like playstation's plus thing except it's closer to netflix where you get access to a library of games you can download and play as long as your subscription's active which in a way is very different from the playstation version but um they're beta testing a version of it for PC. And okay. so for $5 a month or for this first month, it's only a dollar. 
um, you sign up and they have, a, it's not a huge library. I think there were like 30 some games on there, but some of them are new, new, uh, like Forza or some racing game. Okay. Um, the games that I downloaded and tried were uh, Vampire with a Y. And <laughs> I like how you uh, point out the, the spelling of it. <laughs> uh, it's it's just a weird spelling. And a game called Astroneer, which is okay. kind of a hybrid between Space Engineers and Satisfactory. Okay. Um, it's a little. It seems a little more survival e than satisfactory and it's more the graphics are nowhere near as good as satisfactory it's more um cartoonish but i only played that for like half an hour so oh. i don't have a i don't have a good uh which by the way that game had a patch that kept me up all night last week <laughs> i heard about that crazy. uh the other game that i want to talk about a little bit before we run out of time um that i heard about and tried and then said something in our group chat like I played the I played one iteration of it once and told you guys about it and now the like five of you are playing it and talking about it constantly is uh Dota Underlords or the genre of games are called auto battlers or auto chess. So you want to give us the the quick history of how this worked out? There's a whole Sure. I mean the fact that it says Dota in front of it is a big thing. <laughs> right? So there are a genre of games called MOBAs, Multiplayer Online Battle Arena. They all uh, have as their origin point um, a custom map in Blizzard's Warcraft 3 uh, real-time strategy game. Which was a game that you could, you could pick a mode and you could build a map and play yeah, the game. It had a map editor just stuff. like original StarCraft. StarCraft 2 has it in a different form with their arena. Um, that doesn't get as much hype, I think, maybe just because there's more stuff out there. And when, some people took took one of these maps and took and did not do the normal Warcraft gameplay and made a whole different game. Right. They made this with whole this map. arcade kind of game. The map was called Defense of the Ancients, which is where they get the name Dota. Um, it's five versus five with um, what they call creeps or passive units that march toward the center and fight. And there were... Uh, probably five, seven-ish years ago, um, there were a ton of these uh, that be- were standalone games. Um, EA Which, made one, uh, a bunch of other companies, and they do different things with them. And the biggest um, one is? The most successful one is League of Legends mm-hmm. by a company called Riot. Um, they as far as I know, have not made any other games, at least not to any degree of success. It's the um, cash but, cow. But that's the big one. It's a huge esports thing because it's teams of five versus five. Um, Valve, who runs Steam, who made Portal and Half-Life and a handful of very successful shooters like 20 years ago. Um, they made one called Dota 2, and it's in the in the ranking of like widespread success and popularity, it's number two under League and Blizzard. Wait, 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 wait. Let, me, let me who... let me ask a question about that before you move forward. There, how okay. did they call it Dota Two? They although they don't seem to own the rights to Warcraft, nor were they the people that actually made that Defense of the Ancients map, right? I'm I don't really know the history how, of that. Did they just how, steal the name because some up. 
person well, made it. Well, if and... if the name, if it was a custom map, then Blizzard didn't own the IP Defense of the Ancient. What Defense of the Ancients? What Blizzard owns are all of their characters, right? Malfurion, Illidan, Jaina, Kethos. Right. But what I'm saying is those... that this this other company made it at number two, although they did not make a number one. They didn't make the original. And I there think wasn't to... actually a number one game. Just to distinguish, they're like. The, the custom map was the original. This is number two. And people, I think colloquially, colloquially people just call it Dota, uh, the people who play it. I have never played that one, maybe once. I played League of Legends for a while back in the day. Zahn, our buddy, got us all to try it. It's free to play and not pay to win for the most part. My brother still plays it. Um, the iteration of this genre that I prefer is Heroes of the Storm, Blizzard's own take on it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to get into that. That's a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but some guys from China playing Dota 2, which of these three games is the only one that has a true custom map editor. So uh, Dota 2 did launch, like Warcraft 3, launched well, with a map editor. I think they added it eventually. I don't think they launched with it. Okay, but, so, but they, they have um, one. Yeah, Heroes has a custom game mode that they added eventually, but there's only so much you can do with that. Um, this apparently is a is a full on map editor. So, um, and the irony of this story is that the what most people say the original version of an auto battler is another Warcraft three mod uh, map, okay. which was which was Pokemon themed of all things. Uh, Anyway, the basic format of this of this map of this game style is um, a grid of squares like a chessboard, um, usually eight by eight, just like a chessboard, um, and a number of players. Um, your basic format is eight players, and each round you have a market of heroes or Uh, there's a special word for pieces because it's like chess Uh, a number of pieces you can buy which originally because it was dota 2 were the heroes from dota 2 which a lot of people say are kind of vague ripoffs of the blizzard characters there's like Mm. nature's prophet who is clearly malfurion but they can't call him malfurion um (laughs) that's neither here nor there there are five of those pieces uh you can buy any number of them based on how much gold you have. And you can also re-roll the board for two gold. Um, you have you pull those pieces down into your bank, which is eight slots of characters, pieces. And then you can put a number of them on the board on your half, your four by eight half, um, up to your level. So if you're level three, you can put out three. And then once you've done that, your board battles automatically against somebody else's board. And every so often, like the first three rounds and every fifth round, except for round five, you play against um, AI opponents to get loot, to get gear upgrades. Um, And if you lose one of those battles, you don't control the battle at all. That's the auto part of auto chess. If you lose that battle, you lose an amount of health. And I figured out the details on this. Um, 
you lose health based on how many units survive on the opponent's team. Yeah, who you got beat by. Um, and, and you only lose if you're defending. And you only lose if you're defending, which was another thing I, I figured out recently. So currently there are three big players in this space. Um, the original guys who made the map uh, for Dota 2 were approached by Valve, and they were like, hey, we want to hire you or buy your thing, whatever. I don't know what those details. And they were like, nah. They went and made a standalone version that's the, if you go on the iOS app store, it's just called Auto Chess. And that's the quote-unquote official And that was from Valve? No, that was from the guys who made the original map, custom Okay. Valve, because they own the IP, but not the name, uh, Auto Chess, made their own game called Dota Underlords. And they make, um, they, they own, Valve owns Dota 2, is that correct? Yes. Okay, so they got and the so name. They're just their big strength it. there is that they released on, like, every platform. I think it's on iOS, Android, and PC simultaneously. Okay. Uh, just so far in this story, I see Valve as the villain of the show. <laughs> I mean, and the reason I want to put it this way, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. Valve took a genre that they did not create that they did not create the other stuff and made not a genre a game i guess and uh made they took the name dota made a second one although they gave no credit to the people who made the first game nor did anything but just steal the name and the, the type of game again i don't i don't know the history of how that how and then they've done out. the same thing and just turned away when somebody else made another game they went and said, no, we're not going to include you nor take anything from you with it. And we're going to make our own and use the, our old other name that we stole kind of anyway <laughs> to, to brand it. Right. Yeah. This sounds I like mean, really bad, like twisty mustache kind of guy. Sure. Right? Let's sure. just find a, a new genre. Don't give credit to anybody or the community or anything and just take the name and the, yeah, I mean, very for, mustard, for mustard, me, mustard. all because I'm a because I'm a loyal, longtime Blizzard games player. I, this this to me always goes back to Blizzard, and I'm like, when, whenever if I fire up this game, like I played Auto Chess once, I've played a couple of AI games of Underlords because you guys are all playing it, and I'm like, uh, this would be so much more fun if I knew all these characters, if they were the Blizzard characters. See, that, that goes, they were that, originally that goes 25 to the same argument we ha used to have with D&D, &D, where it was like, I, mm. every time I played D&D, &D, it was like, oh, this would be so much more fun if it wasn't some generic Pathfinder characters, and it was Dritz sure. Jordan and, you know, Savage Azun and people from Forgotten Realms. You know? and, and that's just me. Like, you know, the, the narrative of Dota plays out in the sense of, there was this map, and then because Blizzard was focused on their other IPs at various times, they were focused on making World of Warcraft, which obviously has paid off for them, but making StarCraft II, making Diablo III, all those things, Riot and Valve beat them to the MOBA game. Like, I think, and a lot of, you know, people who make a living streaming League of Legends will say they think... In a lot of ways, Heroes of the Storm is a better game, but it was so late to the game, 
it has this bias against it where people won't even try it. They're like, oh, that's that's like the baby MOBA. That one doesn't count. Right. Um, well, because it took Blizzard it takes, so long. It takes so long, too, for the, those games. MOBAs, I will say to the casual listener, MOBAs take a lot of investment to play. They take mostly time. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially League of Legends takes uh, over an hour to play one match. And even the best game out there, it's, it's efficient and short, Heroes of the Storm takes at least 30 minutes to play. And that's like super abbreviated compared to anything else in the genre. 20-25. And it should be said that Auto Chess has the same problem. The, that's part of what exactly. put me off at the first time I tried exactly. the, the Auto Chess version of the game by the original mod developers. Um, I was like, this is a mobile game because Auto Chess Official is is mobile only. I think it's iOS and Android, but I only have iOS devices, so I can't be certain about Android. Um, like half an hour—that's too long for a mobile game. A mobile game it that I have to—I have to be present in. It's not. We've talked about this before. Asynchronous yeah. gameplay. This is—you take turns, and there's no. You know, there's a timer for making your choices, sort of like Hearthstone. Um, but there's no it's not like a MOBA where you have to be acting and reacting to things, but you still have to stay in the game for its duration, and a really tight, close game can take upwards of forty minutes. Right. Um so the the player that I have not mentioned yet is the big MOBA player riot they made their own version of this that i think it's either a mode in league of legends or it might be its own thing on pc uh theirs is called i think it's called team fight tactics (laughs) tft is what people call it real original Um, there way to go with some creative naming i mean you got to have a unique name right like people are gonna uh um like underlords, at least I right. get, but team it's, fight tactics. It's, it's competition, right? Like you can't, you can't copyright a game style, right? right. Uh, Blizzard couldn't copyright the concept of an MMO, but they can copyright their world and their anything with a name, all the characters, all the continents. Um, right, but they could have done better than team fight tactics. Right? Who knows? Like right. their game, their game is called League of Legends. Where yeah. you, the player, are a summoner, and your hero that you can control, you control is called a champion. Like, why do you have League of Legends? That and like, at least with Heroes of the Storm, you're like the storm is. It's like a blizzard. It's a storm, yeah. and right. you have heroes and the the things that you play and control. They're heroes too, and so it all sort of works together. So I right. I would say. Uh, naming things is probably not Riot's uh, strong suit. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, the things that I've heard, and I've not played it. My brother played it because he plays League. But um, the two things I've heard that are unique about um, Teamfight Tactics are the matches are shorter for... I'm not sure what what specific reasons, but the one reason that I've heard is that unlike... Auto Chess and Underlords, you don't play a clone of your opponent, which is an interesting distinction. Um, I I wasn't sure what was happening because I played a game of Underlords against bots and I got a um, item that made 
me do more damage to other players when they lost. Yeah. And I would win fights and I'm like, I don't see their health going down when I beat them. But that's because unlike a real game like football, where you have 16 teams and they play eight games because every team has to play one other team because it's a video game, eight players play eight battles every round. Right. So I can be playing one. It's, um, We've played mobile games that are like this. I think um, uh, Clash of Clans, right? You attack someone's base, they're not present while you're fighting them. Right. Unlike Clash Royale, where you're playing, uh, you know, heads up against somebody. The, The Riot version does play heads up. If you play somebody, if you fight somebody, they're fighting you, which I think accelerates the, um, loss of health. I don't know if I explained that adequately in the beginning. Everybody starts with 100 health and you lose health when you lose a battle based on how many units survive. So if in the first battle everybody has one unit, one piece. If you lose, your opponent has one piece that survives, you're going to lose one hit point out of 100. Um so you don't lose a lot of health early. It gives you time to get your your team built up, get your engine rolling. You get into later games and people have got, I think it maxes out at 10. If they've got 10 two-star um, pieces, you're going to lose 20 health. You'll you'll start getting knocked off. It's an elimination game. Right. The, the, um, the trick there with that is that um, the reason it, they do this whole, like, you know, atta- you're attacking, you're defending and being attacked at the same time. These two games are going on at the same time automatically is that mm-hmm. if there's an odd number of players, let's say seven, then that's not fair because one person doesn't oh, get an opportunity no, to do anything. There are no buy weeks. There's no buy things. Everyone is always playing someone. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's like an odd number thing, then they will play, they will uh, defend against a random one of the other six people. Um, the other distinction that I read, I did some reading about these games in the last couple of days, which is why I, I know all these details. Because uh, you asked me about them after the show last week, and I'm like, well, I played this first, but you probably know more about it than me. Um, the uh, gear, the equipment, is an important aspect of this, um, yep. and it's a distinction between Heroes of the Storm and the other MOBAs. HOTS doesn't have gear. Um, in... Teamfight Tactics and Auto Chess, in the AI rounds, um, the monsters that you kill drop items randomly, just like uh, Diablo 3 or any uh, loot loot game. Um, you tap on those items, whatever, to pick them up, and then equip them on your pieces. In Underlords, in that loot round, you get a, a choice. You get a choice of three, or the last game I played, I bought an item that uh, gave me four choices. Um, and some of them are global. They're just like, like I said, I had a buff that made all of my hero, all of my pieces do plus one damage when they, when an opponent lost to them. Um, so there's more like, it's still random because you have a choice of three or four random items and you pick one, but it's not as random as stuff drops and you get what you get. Uh, which is an interesting distinction between 
Underlords and the other two. Yeah, I I will say, uh, taking all those things into consideration about the game, I did start playing it, and it does not feel like this should be my kind of game um, <laughs> because of many of the things you've said. It's it's over a thirty minute game. Mm-hmm. It's it takes a while, and for me, who's a slow picker, it takes well over thirty minutes. Um, and how long is the timer on that? Well, here's the thing: I play mostly bots because okay. because the bots you can pause. It's paused between time, stuff, yeah. and That's you can just all I've done. Yes, and you can just quit and pick it back up right where you start any other time. So I often will not play a a match asynchronous or, or together. I will play the, the bots on the different difficulty levels. Um, and I've gotten to the difficulty level now where I win and lose about 50% of the time. Um, and I can just go to the restroom, play it a bit, pause it, go out or sit down on the couch, play it for like five, 10 minutes, then go away and put it back. And, and I don't have a problem doing that, losing track of where I am because it, the game has a really good meta from the, the beginning stages. And then you're in the mid game and it's a little different. And then there's the end game and, and it plays differently. Um, and you can always tell almost by the match count, like between one and 10 matches and then, you know, 20 to 30 matches and 30 to 40 matches are the three basic phases of the game. But yeah, it, it, it's not mine because it, I don't make any big decisions. I, you know, it would usually bug me that the, the characters aren't doing what I want them to do to the right things. It's not efficient (laughs) anyway. It's like, why are they always attacking the tank? I guess the Mm -hmm. worst thing you can do, but that's, you know, within the first game of playing, I let that go because it's just. I think what that's it is about it is. positioning. It's where you put them on the board determines. It is, but you don't always you don't always know that. Like right, you don't always know where the other your opponent's going to put. Their the first time I there. saw this, I wondered like what the big deal was, and I've not played it a lot, but I've played it a little bit, mostly against bots, and have heard the guy. I you know I listened to a couple of. Um, not necessarily blizz i mean one is the instance which is world of warcraft and the other mm-hmm. is core which used to be here's of the storm and is now general gaming um i can see what elements of this make it appealing um you have the one one versus one elements of like a card game but there are all of these other opponents so you're not you fight against one one person but it's not done like you still have to keep going and you and you mix around and um the fight happens automatically so you're not you're not stressed and reacting to things you're just watching it right um and it's got the you know elimination battle royale thing that's really popular in the last couple years um so i see it the the game length and the pvp aspect of it kind of puts me off i'm probably going to try it some more because all of our friends are playing it but right. uh i'm i'm hoping dreaming hoping that uh maybe by blizzcon blizzard will will figure out some version of this with the real characters and i'll and i'll play the hell out of that one even if nobody else does <laughs> if nobody else does <laughs> i i i yeah i mean i i i agree i um i would play a blizzard one for sure because i do do I, that same thing you said before is that, oh, that's, that's, it's, that's dark elf. It's called dark elf. That unit is called dark elf. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, Shoshana, the warrior priestess or anything. It's just dark elf. And right. everything's like that scrapper, sniper, bat, 
guy or something like that. You know, it's just very generic. And everyone who's coming up with these genres suck, namely Valve. They're terrible at things. Same with League of Legends with this whatever they called Team Fight Fortress, whatever. Um, because how hard is it to come up with cool names or something neat and interesting? They're doing okay with characters designs and something. It just someone who's in charge of labeling stuff or the story or something is really dropping the ball. Um, and I don't know if this is still the case because they've lost a significant amount of their old guard, but um, this is a thing Blizzard has excelled at for decades. I mean, look at a game like Overwatch, which is not my favorite game. In fact, it's my least favorite Blizzard game. <laughs> right. Partly because I I blame its success a little bit for the lack of success of Heroes of the Storm, which is a game I preferred because I suck at shooters. Um, right. But this is a that's a game that's like it's just an arena a team shooter a team arena shooter and they made these these shorts these videos they gave backstory and life to these characters that are just they're just characters it's like a um it's like a fighting game like mortal Kombat or something right um but they they made these characters and gave them you know good names and stories and lore uh to really just enhance that experience yeah and and they um that's all they needed to do was you know add something and they've got the character designs that they could do that with yeah i mean before overwatch ever launched they had launch videos ready to go of that was all just full motion video stuff they didn't show any gameplay but it got and you I mean, interested in this, like, who's this tracer person in Winston? In and... the <laughs> in the documentary we'll never get about the history of, of Overwatch and Titan, a lot of that lore probably came out of Titan, which was supposed to be a MMO shooter, a shooter so, MMO. Yeah. Um, so we'll not uh, not discount that, but. Right. Well, anyway, it the, the game is pretty fun. I will say that one of the reasons that it, it does hook me I, and as I start to think about things is that it's um, you can press a button and there is actual kind of minimal choices. You have strategic choices. Uh, I think our buddy Pete had said something like there's so much randomness in it. You actually think that you're making skilled decisions when <laughs> you're not. You're pressing play and then it does it for you. There's Which is enough. another thing that that makes a game popular, right? There's enough that you think that you're doing good stuff, but not really. Now, a frustrating part about it, and, and it, I, we're I, we're all really pushing our buddies on right now at this point to to make this kind of a game is the 30 minute window. There's so many things in this this games these genres that you can clearly see. You can chop down, you can cut out, you can you know tweak it so that it's not such a long game. Yeah, I think you you make it much shorter or uh, you make it asynchronous so that my turn just takes a minute. Sure. I I think I think that the our buddy Pete had said a couple things that just made sense. In in the case of Dota Underlords, the first five matches of the game are stupid. You win them automatically. It's just picking random first guy, picking random second guy, picking first item, pick second item, pick mm-hmm. a random third guy, and then now let's play your first opponent. And you waste five minutes doing 
stuff that you don't, that shouldn't be that long that you should just say, here, pick three items to start with and three guys. Yeah. I mean, it informs your whole thing. And it's like we always say, it would be great if you change this and this and this, but then it's a different game, which is fine. There are hundreds of games, thousands, you know. Right, but ten but that, new games come out every week. Right, I mean that's uh, just one example of something that that wouldn't change the game because you you are just playing the you're playing you don't even play the first player yet you're just playing the PCs and you always have the same. Oh, things. if if you made all of those decisions without the illusion of the of the loot match, yeah, like the the match you can't lose them. I mean, well, I mean if you don't put anybody out there, sure, but the the guys that they run up and fight are auto wins. So right. it's just it's just takes time to do it and then buy it and then go through and then wait and then wait for the match to end because it takes like five seconds and then there's the cooldown time. And like that just takes a lot of time up, like three to five minutes. And then other small things that you can tweak to make it shorter, um, just, you know, maybe 75% health or something. But it, they're great. It's just that it needs to be shorter. And somebody will come along, hopefully, maybe even a blizzard, and and fix that kind of a, a thing. I don't want it to be a two minute game, but it should be fifteen <laughs> minutes maybe. You know, I mean, because the game has a, a great a meta normal stuff. a normal restroom break amount of time. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, but uh, asynchronous, like you said, though, to be able to sure, to, sure. to go through it. Anyway, it's it's a good game. It, there's not a lot of games out there like it, except for the three that you you had mentioned here. Um, it's I always cool say, to see a new genre. I mean, it, we're it looking is. for this in board games, video games, anywhere. Right. So, there's so much everything happening all the time. It's cool to see something, quote unquote, new. Well, now, the thing with Dota Underlords, there's a couple things that people listening should maybe know if they're even mildly interested, is that, one, it's the full game right now for free. There's no money-making thing. because It's, it's in, free it's to play, and nobody nobody knows yet how they're going to monetize. That's the big right. That's a big question. Two weeks, we'll come back and we'll be like, yes, yeah, garbage, pay to win, steer clear. Yeah, right. But right now, the whole game is is free. So mm-hmm. you can go ahead and play it all. And they're, you're going to have seasons and stuff like that with different characters. And it's, it's going to be a whole thing, but the whole game is free. Um, and two, I can't remember what the second one is. And it's on everything. Oh, it's, it's on it's every platform. You, yeah, the Dota and Lords is on multi-platinum. Or tablet, your phone. I can't imagine playing it on a phone. That seems cramped. But, I see. Uh, I play, I've, that's my native. I've been playing it only on a phone. You have a you have a plus. Yes, phone. I have a plus. It's a big phone. So I've played it, I've only played it on my iPad mini, which is just slightly larger than a plus phone. That's a joke. No, um, no, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's yeah. on everything. That's so free. Get, just try it. It's you know. Yeah, I mean, you, nothing you, to lose. Expect, I will say it does not do life. a good job at telling you what things do, though. Like yeah, I, I didn't I, understand items. I still, I have to go to wikis to find out about attack and defense, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the tutorial isn't. I didn't do the tutorial the first time I played because I had played auto chess, and I was like, oh, I know this. I'll just play against bots and figure it out. So you asked me all these questions, and I'm like, I've been wondering that myself, which right. is why. I did all the research. Yeah, I did too. I had to, I actually had to spend time on wikis and reddits and stuff like that. And like, does this matter? Things like, um, you know, a character is silenced. Well, does that cut off their, their passive stuff and, you know, mm. all that sorts of little bit of things like that. But yeah, I like it. I like the game. At least I've been for playing now. a little more, uh, divinity original thing too. Saying silence reminded me of that. <laughs> I'm fighting all those silent monks who, do their silence. All right, do their silence. All right, man, we're uh, we're running a little long here. Yeah, you want to yeah, wrap this up? It. All right. 
Good, good. I'm good. You've been listening to Front Porch. This is episode 97. Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News. Check them out. They're much more uh, concise than us. They're into the whole brevity thing. <laughs> if that's your um, thing. If you like brevity. <laughs> we we started a new uh, story arc of Klingons and Dragons. That's our Star Trek Adventures role-playing podcast. We did. That yeah. sounds interesting to you. Check it out. It's not safe for work. Don't play it in the car with your kids. Mm -hmm. If you have questions or comments on the show, give us your favorite quotes from Big Lebowski or tell us what you love or hate about Blizzard, MOBAs, or uh, um, auto battlers. You can email us, frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we got contact forms. we got the schedule for the 100 movies. Next week, we're watching Monty Python's Life of Brian. So if you want to play along mm -hmm. at home. If you enjoy this show, you could subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere podcasts are found. Thanks as always for listening. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. Go to Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.